Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, you put us together and throw in a couple microphones, a little jar of potpourri, and you've got Stuff You Should Know. If you get my chocolate and your peanut butter, mm-hmm. then we make a delicious extra-large Reese's cup. <laughs> extra-large with a lot of body hair. Yeah, you can pick that out, though. Yeah. You can eat around it. Yeah. You want to pick it out before you eat, though, because <laughs> getting it off the tongue is just the yeah. chest hair. Chuck. Yes. Uh, are you familiar with the Dead Sea? I am, and I really, really want to go get in it one day. Okay, I would like to, too. Yeah. Um Especially because I am particularly interested in what I've come to term geographical ironies. And there is no greater geographical irony than the Dead Sea. Because it's called the Dead Sea, Mm -hmm. but it's dying. Yeah. That's pretty ironic. It is, and sad. Well, yeah. I mean, that may not have come across in my flip tone, but I think it's sad. Yeah, and it's not called the Dead Sea because of its properties... I mean, I'm sorry. It is called the Dead Sea because of properties. It's not called the Dead Sea because it's dying. No, but... Which makes it ironic, After thousands and thousands and eons of years, mm-hmm. people have been going to this awesome little spot forever. Um, it, it's in real danger. Yeah. And it's, of course, thanks to humans, and we'll get to that. But the Dead Sea is an example of a vanishing tourist attraction. Um, there's a lot of places that are um, have been listed and identified as... This place isn't going to be around in 50 years. So yeah. like, if you're interested, you better go now. Agreed. The Dead Sea is definitely one of them. They think that by 2050, it's possible it won't be there. Whatever it is there is not going to be anything worth visiting unless yeah. you want to go cry. I think there is, uh, and fill it with your salty tears. Maybe yeah. that's what we should do. Yeah. Um, I, th- I don't even have the stat in front of me, but I believe I read today that it's it's falling by about a meter per year. Yes, that is correct. Is that right? Yeah, um, it, which is scary because as everyone who doesn't live in the U.S. knows, a meter is um, almost three feet. It's over three feet. It's a certain amount of feet. It's, it's more than a yard. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Dead Sea as a whole. Well, yeah, there's a reason why you should care about this. This is a really interesting, unique place. It has some really yeah. awesome qualities to it. So herein, we're going to describe why you should be sad that the Dead Sea is dying. That's right. Uh, it is, first of all, here's some unique properties of the Dead Sea. It is 1,300 feet, 396 meters below sea level. And its shores that surround it are literally the lowest points on planet Earth. The lowest dry point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. It's not like the bottom of the ocean. But you're basically bathing in a lake yeah. 1,300 feet below the ocean. And it is a lake. It's a terminal lake. Mm-hmm. It's not a sea. Yeah. Uh, terminal meaning that it's uh, water flows in oh. and it doesn't flow out. The oh, only okay. way that water leaves it is by evaporation, which is super interesting. Well, that's what... Gives it its um its amazing properties. Yes. Go so ahead and tell, break the news. Can I? For people that don't know this. Thank you very much. So you have water flowing in its main tributary is the Jordan River. Yeah. Or for um, bibliophiles, bil- bi- I guess bibliophiles, the River Jordan. Yes. Not the Jordan River. Yeah, sure. Uh, they like to flip that. 
Um, and like you said, it, it comes in, but it doesn't go out, but it evaporates. Well, the Jordan River doesn't just bring fresh water in to the Dead Sea. It brings a lot of salty, brackish water as yeah, well. big time. Okay, so because this is in one of the hottest places on Earth, the water evaporates pretty quickly, right? Yeah, otherwise it would be overflowing, which would be kind of awesome. Exactly. But because of this evaporation, the salt crystals are left behind, mineral salts. Yeah. Um, and so water that comes in, whether fresh or otherwise, it just increases in more and more and more uh, concentration, which is why the Dead Sea is one of the saltiest places on Earth. Yeah, and have you seen the photos of the huge accumulations of these minerals? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess just various salt minerals? Yeah. They like they look like sculptures almost in places. Yeah, it's pretty, well, it pretty looks amazing. like crystal outcroppings. Yeah, in exactly a lot of ways. Like. Uh, it's about two hundred and fifty square miles. Yeah, it is surrounded by the West Bank. Yeah, Israel and Jordan. Yeah, which also makes it, you know, they're trying to get these neighbors to agree on how to best manage this place, and it's hard to get that area to agree on a lot. Yeah, so they that's one of the reasons I think that there are issues. It's hard to get these folks to the table sometime. Agreed. All right. Well put. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you've got you've got water coming in. You have water staying terminally. Did you know also Atlanta's original name was Terminus? I did. Um, so, which makes the Dead Sea a terminal lake, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, and the the salt that's coming in is not like table salt or anything. There's, no. It's actually well known for thirty five mineral salts um, that the the sea boasts like uh, calcium, bromine, potassium, magnesium, iodine. But the the thing that makes the Dead Sea so so significant salt-wise is that the concentrations of this because of the the unique setup of the water flowing in and evaporating. Mm-hmm. It it's so saline. <laughs> saline? Selenianish, um, that uh, compared to an ocean, it just it dwarfs the salinity of any ocean. Yeah, I think they uh, the saltiest ocean um, is somewhere between three to six percent um, salty, yeah. and twenty eight to thirty five percent. I generally see about thirty three percent in the Dead Sea. So, which is six percent for the saltiest ocean, like the kind of ocean where you're like, Pula. yeah, on the highest level, yeah, percent on the high end, and like five times that. Five, six times that for the the Dead Sea. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, as a result of this, so um, people are like, "Well, this is this is just great. This is healthful." Yeah, what does this mean? It means well, a bunch of things. Oh, first of all, it means proven through physics and just general observation, uh, you float like with no trouble whatsoever because of the incredible density of the seawater in the yeah. Dead Sea. Yeah, and another fun thing you can do is go to Google Images and Google Dead Sea float. And you will see lots of pictures of people laying virtually on top of the water reading books and newspapers, and it's pretty funny. Yeah. It's like, it looks like an illusion almost. It it does. Yeah. It looks like it's been Photoshopped, doesn't That's it? That's right. Um, so you've got uh, the fact that you can float. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who claim, like, healthful benefits of, of the Dead Sea. Um, and I was looking this up. Like, there's there's entire companies, um, like, uh, oh, what is the name of it? the uh, Dead Sea Research Center, Dead Sea Works. There's a lot of like cosmetics, skincare products, all this stuff that mm-hmm. are associated with the Dead Sea and that use Dead Sea minerals and all that. Um, and they all boast all sorts of what appear to be snake oil properties. Emily used to sell Dead Sea mud masks. So, But she doesn't anymore. How come? 
Uh, I think the cost of getting the Dead Sea mud was cost prohibitive for her. Oh, okay. And it wasn't a big seller. It was, it was an economic decision. So, it, but it wasn't because it was like fraudulent. No. Okay. So I, is it? Well, I was looking. Okay. And I, I couldn't find a lot, but I did find some stuff where there have been studies on like, uh, Utah Salt Lakes. Yeah, sure. Um, the effects of that. Um, and there's been some studies on the Dead Sea and they've found, um, that it does have effects, demonstrable effects. On things like arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, Mm -hmm. it it reduces um, the symptoms of that. Fibromyalgia? Yes. Mm -hmm. Eczema? Yeah. It's it's, um, been shown to uh, reduce that. Um, And uh, basically just generally improving the health of your skin. Yeah, any kind of skin like psoriasis or anything going on with your skin, it it should help. Right. And these were studies that were carried out by, um, like, they were published in peer-reviewed journals. Yeah. So, I mean, they're legitimate studies. Well, it's got 35 minerals. It's got to be good for you. Right. And in very, very high concentrations, too. Sure. So, it's not just the minerals in, in the Dead Sea um, itself. Like, the, the mud is, well, like you were saying, Emily sell, sold a mud pack. Yeah, mud mask. Yeah. Um, like, that's you can just walk up on the shore in some places and scoop up the mud, and then, bam, there's your mud mask. Yeah. Um, it's get that rich in nutrients. Yeah. So it's not much of a surprise that people have kind of flocked to this as a, a natural spa for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, and I think it, even before, uh, I mean, they did it back in biblical days, even before we had all these studies, I think they realized some of the properties. Right. And apparently the sun there is filtered, the UV rays are filtered because of the atmosphere. Yeah, is the, that right? The atmospheric pressure, because it's so far below sea level, um, it's it filters a lot of the UV rays out. So laying out um, is, I guess, better for you. Laying out, I remember that. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, go lay out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Work on the tan. I still lay out. Do you lay out? Oh yeah, I believe it. Which is basically just like napping or reading in the sun. Exactly. That's sure. what it amounts to. Yeah. Like I don't have like little goggles or anything <laughs> Baby like that. Baby oil. Yeah, or a sock. Uh, so what they suggest if you go to the Dead Sea and you want to revitalize yourself a bit, um, take a swim or a float, get in there, get get in the water like itself, right, and just spend some time in there. Um, apply some of the some of the uh, mud maybe that you can scoop up, or mm-hmm. they're probably selling stuff. Sure. Um, Thermo mineral baths they say exist there as well. Is that right? Yeah, that place is amazing. It is. And um, then they, of course, also suggest optional psychological counseling and follow-up consultation with a medical professional. So right. That's like a seven-step special, right? Yeah, it's like good for the mind and body. Right. That's what they say. Um, but, yeah, you can apparently travel to the area, and there are plenty of places where you, you just show up, and you're like, I have rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. And, and they say, okay, well, come with us, and we're going to take you to the to the Dead Sea and put you through these this procedure. Sulfur if, baths, salt baths. Yeah. I think it's a lot like um, going to Battle Creek in the 19th century. Oh, yeah? You know, and hanging out with Dr. Kellogg. Oh, yeah, that Battle Creek. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Because that means we'd have a time machine. Exactly. Well, we do. Um, another property of the Dead Sea and what this um, mineral and salt content does that we haven't mentioned is it kills everything, which is why it's called the Dead Sea. 
It kills almost everything. Almost everything. But yes, you're right. Like there's no seaweed in there. No. There's no fish in there. No. There's no scum on the top of it. No. There's no nothing. Like when you walk in the Dead Sea, like you are one of the only the only other living beings in there. Yeah, what does it support? Like tiny uh amoeba or something? Uh bacteria. Bacteria. Halophilic bacteria, which means salt loving. Um and they're considered extremophiles because the the um, the environment they live in is so inhospitable to any other life that the fact that there's this type of bacteria that can live in there is pretty amazing. Yeah, but they're they're like akin to the same types of um, life that live near in, like sulfuric, three hundred degree undersea vents. That wow. that's an extremophile. Or, we should do an extremophile podcast. We totally should, and we will. I think we should. Uh, I have some other little factoids I, I drew up, not myself, but I found. Um, <laughs> when we said thousands of years, what we really meant was millions of years. I said eons. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's been around for about three million years. Uh, and uh, in the Bible, they actually say that the Dead Sea will one day come alive and be full of marine life. That would be surprising. I'm not so sure if that's going to happen, considering the sailing content. Um Unless what they meant was People. one day it's going to dry out completely and they will open a marine park there or something. Maybe. Because that's about the only way it's going to happen. Uh, it's really bitter. It's not going to taste salty like table salt. Yeah. And it's kind of stinky. They used to call it the Stinky Sea hundreds of years ago, <laughs> apparently. Did they really? That's what it says. Huh. And uh, the Greeks called it Lake uh, Lake Asaphilite. Uh-huh. As. Asphaltitis, huh. because asphalt will rise to the surface at times. The natural asphalt. Gotcha. Not roads that were built underneath <laughs> three million years ago. And uh, Cleopatra was a big fan. Cleopatra and King Herod yeah. built the town of Masada as like a little uh, Dead Sea playground for himself. Yeah, like a little resort. Yeah. And um, so nothing's living there except people, and it is dying itself, though. And this is when we come to, I guess, the sad well, not yet. You mentioned the Bible. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely has ties to the Bible, obviously. It's in a pretty biblical region. Um, but it's uh, it's also, well, the River Jordan is supposedly where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's also where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Oh, yeah. I did, of course. So um, from 1957 to 1958, this amazing goat herder found a bunch of Hebrew manuscripts. The same guy who invented cheese? No, this is a different one. Uh, that was France. What if it was the same dude? Would that, that be was great? Timmy Roquefort <laughs> that, that invented cheese. That's right. Um, this guy uh, is a different one, although I wonder if he's related to the Roqueforts of France. <laughs> um, anyway, he found a bunch of scrolls, of uh, Hebraic scrolls that were written from the 3rd century B.C. to the 2nd century A.D., um, and they basically were just like, hey, here's what's going on in this area right now. Uh, we'll just write it down and hide them for posterity. And apparently it's like one of the greatest archaeological finds ever as far as people yeah. are concerned because it gave a real peek into this time when Christianity was starting up. And, sure. And yeah. I read recently there's a lot of controversy over who they think wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure where they've landed on that, but of course there's controversy. Well, a- anything yeah. that old. Yeah. It's not going to have a little author's signature on it. Right. So, Chuck, now yes. we get to the depressing part. I know. I just I was almost excited, but then I remembered <laughs> what we were talking about. Uh, the Dead Sea is actually dying, uh, meaning 
the River Jordan is being diverted along the way uh, because they need water in that area to support people and agriculture. Yeah. Um, so it's being diverted via dams and things like that to the extent that the Dead Sea is evaporating more than it's filling up these days. Well, consider this. Um, in the 50s, the the Dead Sea used to get like 1.3 billion cubic meters of fresh water a day. Wow. Now it's 50 million. Yeah, that's a sharp drop. 50 million compared to 1.3 billion. Yeah. That's a lot of a drop off. Yeah. So, yeah, it's starting to dry up really, really fast. Yeah, and luckily, um, well, we'll see what happens. But luckily, there are people and organizations that are on this uh, big time because of the, you know, not only the cultural significance, but the Dead Sea, despite it being dead in the water, supports like a really vast ecosystem around it. Yeah. And if the Dead Sea went away, that would not be good for this ecosystem. Yeah, but again, it's a, it's a tough uh, it's a tough one. I mean, like people. People need their drinking water. Yeah. Like we've done a podcast on how long can you survive without food and water. And you can go a long time without food, but water gets you in a couple of days. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's a tough one. And a lot of people have said, hey, you know what? Let's just build a canal. Yeah. The, the Red Sea's over there. The Dead Sea's right here. All we need is like 135 miles of canal. And we'll just flood the Dead Sea with Red Sea. And people went, no. No, hold on. Let's come up with something else. Yeah, because the Dead Sea's um, salt content and mineral content would be disrupted at that point, and sure. it just wouldn't be what it is. Yeah, so it almost sounds like they're like, "We'll we'll just let it die." Well, like we'd rather it die than become less salty. Yeah, just another inland sea. Like, look at all those people out there floating, reading their newspaper, and all of a sudden they drop the moment <laughs> that canal sink. starts. What are we going to do then? Yeah. Uh, so it is a canal slash pipeline. Uh, the project's called the Two Seas Canal. And it is fairly controversial on uh, several fronts. Um, one is that it's going to cost about $5 billion, which is not cheap. Um, it would include a desalination plant to generate fresh water. And uh, the good news, it would be, you know, it would be a symbol of cooperation between these often warring, warring countries yeah. that surround it. That would be awesome. So that would be good. But a lot of environmentalists are saying that, you know, it's a threatened lake. In 2006, it was the threatened lake of the year. I didn't know they had such a designation, but I guess it's good they do. Well, the Global Nature Fund did. They oh, call is that it what they that. said? Yeah, and uh, one of their project directors said, uh, we call it the threatened lake of the year in 2006, and we could easily do it again for 2010. Like, don't even don't even make us. Right, right. <laughs> don't try <laughs> to call my bluff. I guess they didn't know because it's 2012. Yeah. Um. But they are proposing some alternative, uh, alternatives. They're saying that, uh, the spokesperson for, what is it, Friends of the Middle East? Yeah. Friends uh, of the Earth in the Middle East. Friends of the Earth in the Middle East. Um, the Israeli branch is saying, you know what, we can actually return, um, a lot of water to the River Jordan through conservation and less agricultural use. So. Well, that's the, that's the case everywhere. I mean, remember we've talked about this before, like, oh, something yeah. like 93% of agricultural water use is, um, uh, like go, yeah, it goes to evaporation or runoff. Yeah. Like just, it's so inefficient. Agricultural water use is so inefficient. And then like even like here in our dear town of Atlanta. Yeah. Like we have the leakiest sewer system in, in the um, developed world and we lose tons of water every day to it. And it's yeah. just like, well, it's lost, you know? Yeah. So the envir- a lot of environmentalists are saying some huge 
engineering uh, solution is not always the best solution. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I'd love to see the Dead Sea saved, but yeah. also want the people of the Middle East to grow crops. Well, yeah. You know? And live. Agreed. Uh, so I guess right now, as it stands, um, no one's quite figured out what to do. Yeah, I think this year, actually, um, they have sunk quite a few million dollars into a pretty vast study um, on this canal pipeline project and seeing if it's the best alternative. Well, cool. So I guess we'll find out maybe later this year what they're going to do. Well, I would say get you to the Dead Sea ASAP because if nobody does anything, 2050, cutoff date. Yeah, and it's just going to get sadder and sadder if there's like, if it's like the size of a swimming pool eventually and there's like two dudes floating in it. Yeah, that would be sad. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's it for the Dead Sea, right? we got to explain everything. That's it for the Dead Sea, potentially. Well, that's it for us in the Dead Sea. Oh, sure. Um, if you want to learn more about the Dead Sea, you can type dead and sea into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, does that bring up? What does that bring up, man? Uh, we got a few quick things to plug, and then we will get to listener mail. Okay. Uh, like what? All right. So now listener mail? Yes. Okay. Uh, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Antarctic Reply, and it's not about penguins oh, and polar bears. Thank goodness. Although she did put that in there, but I erased that part. Um, Shannon actually lived there. For three summers, I was a technician at a terrestrial Arctic base in Alaska, awesome. and several of my coworkers spent the Northern Hemisphere working on Antarctica. Actually, she was in Alaska. I didn't that back. But That's the buddies. Arctic. Yes. That's North. That's right. The Antarctic is south. That's right. We but know that. She had friends that worked uh, in Antarctica. Right. On Antarctica. Okay. Man, it's so picky. People get so picky. I know. Stuff. Uh, from that experience, I can personally tell you that while life at the poles is basic, it is far from primitive. Antarctica has stores, bars, saunas, and even a pair of ATMs. Uh, while many of these amenities are not available to tourists... Uh, it doesn't change the fact that Antarctic bases are designed for comfortable, long-term habitation. Huh. Uh, also, there is actually a fair amount to do there. Every community has trails for walking, skiing, or snowshoeing. Uh, the larger base... Uh, <laughs> it's like just basically just three kinds of walking. Yeah, pretty much. We have three kinds of walking to do here. <laughs> In the snow. Uh, the large bases have uh, exercise areas. Uh, scientists host uh, lectures, holiday celebrations, and game tournaments. Cool. I imagine they probably play... Uh, it's the little slide game. Shuffleboard? No, the shuffleboard on ice. Uh, hockey? <laughs> yeah. Curling? Curling. Thank you. Uh, the permanent bases have libraries, and honestly, there's always someone who has an interesting story to tell. The temporary bases, when they abandon them, they just set the library on fire? I think so. <laughs> um, then, uh, the most important part of polar life is the food. Uh, and this doesn't surprise me. Usually when you're stuck like that, you take your food pretty seriously because that's like the one thing that you can have. Right. Emperor um, penguins are delicious. That's what she says, actually. No. Food is the lifeblood of any Antarctic camp or base, and the staff does their best to make sure that every meal is plentiful and delicious. Um, on the medical front, at least on the American side of things, it's not nearly as basic as you described. Um, in fact, many Antarctic communities have medical support that is comprehensive and available at towns of the same size uh, that, that is available at towns of the same size in Canada or Alaska. Mm -hmm. The bases have equipment to do emergency surgery if needed, and they have ICUs capable of treating everything from burns to hypothermia. And if you need extra stuff, then it can be airdropped, she said. 
in the dead of winter even. Yeah, you just want to look out. That's right. Look out ahead. Above. Above. All right. And that is from Shannon, um, who has spent time in Alaska and knows a bunch of people there. That's awesome. Knows a bunch of people in Antarctica. That's right. Uh, thanks a lot for that, Shannon. We appreciate it. Um, let's see. If you know something about something we've talked about that we didn't talk about or just something you want to supplement, something we've spoken about. If you floated on the Dead Sea, I'd like to hear that. That's a good one. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Or you can send us an email at StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?